And welcome back to another episode of Civil Discord, your weekly dose of radical curiosity. I am the one who is here almost every single episode. Uh, not here very, uh, not here as much as, as my co-host, but um, here almost every episode. The notorious BLG, aka Maurice, out here in the People's Republic of Texas, and with me again here more often than I am is the great, the great supreme overlord of liberty is amanda out there in the people's republic of california amanda how's it going i it's going great maurice i'm excited because we're gonna we're gonna solve a global crisis here on this podcast today (laughs) so i'm excited for it we are we are are. and for those who who have been under rocks and, and i and i will admit i am under a rock most of the time when i say most of the time like uh, my wife and I were having this conversation um, Thursday, and and I, I said, you know, I really like for for a while now. I've taken a break from politics, from all the the diving and things. The only time that I may really like discuss and and go into politics is for the podcast. Like that is it. Um, I I'm, I haven't cut out all of, all of my 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 political talks as far as podcasts and things are concerned, but as far as like diving deep and, and doing all the research and stuff, the only time I do that is for this podcast. And so she's like, really? I was like, yes. It's like, and it is, it, it, it's, it's, it's been um, mind freeing for me, uh, mainly because of all the stress that, that, that is happening elsewhere in my life. I'm like politics for right now, we need, we need to take a vaccine. So it is what it is. But um, for, if, if you don't know, and you've been like me, you've kind of been living on the rock. There is the world rule three is, World War Three is getting ready to start. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. That's what everybody's saying. That's what I'm. That's what I'm seeing on the TikToks and the Instagrams. It's World War Three. But um, we are we are going to talk about this whole Ukraine and Russia uh, conflict and war and and everything that's going on. But first, uh, <laughs> um, we were tagged. Somebody tagged us in a post. It was on Twitter, correct? Yes. This is so. It's either. I've heard both pronunciations of the last name Alex, so I apologize. Okay. One of them's going to be wrong. It's either Alex Abernathy or Alex Abernathy. Um, and he is a Tennessee radio host. Uh, he wanted to know, he's creating a list of the worst U.S. presidents. <laughs> and he says, widely open to change based on different opinions. Here's where I'm currently at. Number one, Buchanan. Number two, Wilson. Number Enemy of the people, Woodrow Wilson. Number three, FDR. Uh, number four or five, he's not sure, Biden, Carter, Obama. And he wanted to get our thoughts. And of, cur- of course, I knew who your number one was going to be. <laughs> but I'd like to hear, for, you know, who who comes, for, who's the number one? And then how how do we go forward? Awesome. Okay. So uh, contrary to popular belief, aka people who, who who know me, Abraham Lincoln is not number one on my list. Oh, he's not. Okay, <laughs> he is not. Un- unfortunately, okay. this man is not. I, I feel like wrong. I talk about him the most is because people love him so much and don't understand like all the 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 horrible things that he has done. But he he's not he's not number one. Okay. He's not number two. He is number three. He's number three on my list of worst presidents. In U.S. history, I will say Joe Biden is quickly, quickly, quickly climbing that ladder, moving up. But for me, I will say number one has got to be Woodrow Wilson. Like there is yep. no for me, no ifs, ands, buts about it. Woodrow Wilson, number one, 
Um, number two, of course, is FDR because of everything and his his uh, his his whole New Deal that everybody loves and that I cannot stand. Um, I actually got into an argument because I was like, man, FDR is a horrible president. And they're like, oh, my gosh, but the New Deal, he's so great. And I was just like, you and I have very different views on the New Deal and how great it was. So um, and, and then three for me is is Abraham Lincoln. Buchanan, he's in my top five. Um, I think uh, um, Joe Biden is definitely in my top 10. Obama's in my top 10 as far as things go or whatnot. So, I mean, but but those those are my three. And it's going to take a lot. And I, but but I think the way Joe Biden is handling is currently handling this current conflict is quickly moving him up the ranks as far as one of the worst presidents. But I will say that. Um, it, it is going to take a lot to to overcome one, two, and three, but it is definitely possible. What about you? Yeah, so I, I told him, I said, you know, I have a recency bias, obviously, because I'm more familiar with uh, the good and the bad of later presidents, and obviously their policies were down to me more closely. Um, and I, I said, I also evaluate based on not only policy, but the sentiments cultivated. Mm-hmm. Um so I had said, I didn't, I, I didn't really contest his first ranking. Maybe I didn't like read the instructions clearly because he did say, you know, it's open to changing. I said that Biden feels worse than Carter, but it's only a year in. So in theory, I would disqualify for fairness sake, but in practice, I really can't. I really right. can't. So Biden right now is worse than Carter. Um, and Carter and LBJ for me, both top Obama. Um, it would be a toss up between him and George W. Bush. Truman is, or sorry, Wilson is, is truly awful. Um, and (laughs) might take, might be FDR, Wilson, and then we might do Biden, um, Buchanan comes in there too, um. Mm. But and then and then I actually suggest I would love to see this because it's so hard to rank them all a, a, as one group. So I yeah. suggested a March Madness style bracket <laughs> where you do. Who's into it? We might. <laughs> so I suggested a, a March Madness style bracket where you do like I'm every twenty years. You do twenty year brackets, and then you're like, okay. And so is, uh, you know, is Joe Biden worse than Jimmy Carter? And then you have them square off. And then yes. you get the truly worst, uh, worst of the worst presidents <laughs> that way. I would, so, oh man, yeah. that would be great. I would love to pick the seating for that. Like, yeah, I mean, because because okay. you you would think about it, like you would have like George Washington would be a 16 seat, like not even a question. <laughs> like George Washington, um, who is the other one? Is it Grover it's Cleveland? Not, silent Cal, Calvin Coolidge, it's pretty great. Yeah, yes. Like, I like the like, silent part. Who who was I, the, was he? He was the one who died like an hour into office, something like that. Or he, he died. No, like, Jim Henry Harrison died. Yes, he was days, a month yeah. into 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 office because he he did his uh his his inauguration speech in the rain and then caught pneumonia and died. Like, like <laughs> my like, president is the one who dies quickly. <laughs> <laughs> that was no. a great policy. Dying. Yeah, he's great policy. He died. He died a month into into his presidency. No, but th- there was one who who was who ran for president and did say like this this office in in a sense should not exist. I should not have this much power and so forth. And I I, I want to say 
I think it it was I don't, it wasn't Cleveland. I that wasn't Ike, was it? Um, but it was uh, it it like those are definitely like some sixteen seeds. You know, if if you're only a month in in, in the office, you're a sixteen seed. But I would imagine Andrew Jackson has got to be like a top has got to be like a top seed in there. I would I would say that Abraham Lincoln is probably not going to be a top seed in most people think in, in most people. But if I'm on if I am on the, the selection committee and I'm determining where they go, Abraham Lincoln has a huge chance of making my final four as far as worst presidents in U.S. history. But I would love it. I mean, and, and March Madness is right around the corner. So most of our um, most of our uh, uh, most of the what are they called? Oh, postseason tournaments. Conference tournaments are actually going up uh, in, in the next in the next week or so. But I mean, I'm excited. I'm so excited. But yes, if he is in it, please. If if, if he does that, please, 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 please. I'm all in for that. I'm all in for it. We can help, and that that is the Alex uh, Abernathy show. Uh, and yes. that is on. It's a syndicated radio show. So I will. Yeah. If you can, if you give me a list too, if you can try to seed these guys and or just just write down some general <laughs> thoughts, I can relay them to him. So thank yes. you, Alex, for providing us with that uh, little lighthearted. Who are our worst presidents? Yes. I'll start your podcast. I'll at least go top ten. But um, starting to show off on, on on a light note, which is great. I always enjoy talking about history and presidents and and um, and dead presidents because those are what. That's what our lovely fiat money is printed on and outside of Benjamin Franklin and so forth. But um, I love about that. But getting down into the seriousness of what has transpired over the past week, um, it, it is not anything that is that is lighthearted at all. It is very heavy. Um, and even in our uh, in our pre-show, we we had kind of discussed um, as, as far as just a little bit of thoughts. Um, Amanda has no. Amanda has very little as as far as knowledge as, as to my stance on a lot of these things, which is a good thing um, because we come into this knowing what we're going to talk about, but not knowing where where each other stands on, on, on these things. So yeah. if there's a disagreement, we talk out the disagreement, we kind of move on, and then if, and then um, you guys may think like, oh, they agree on everything, so they they discuss them before the show. No, it's like a you know two or three minutes. Hey, this is what we're going to talk about. Hey, we're good here. We're good here. We're good here. Hey, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Or whatnot, um, and, and, and so forth. But, um, again, if you were living under a rock and you do not know and you don't watch any sort of news and you're not on any sort of social media, um, Russia has started a war with Ukraine, invaded Ukraine, um, taken, taken a couple of cities. Um, Ukraine has fought hard and whatnot, um, on, on, on a lot of things, but it is, it's very, I am not the most knowledgeable person on Russian history and Ukrainian history. Um, seeing how Ukraine it has no has only been a country for thirty years, Ish. I want to say, Ish. right around yeah. thirty years, close to that. So I mean, it's yeah. so I mean, they I have been alive longer than than the Ukraine has has been a has been a country, but so I but but I don't I'm honestly I don't live in Eastern Europe. I don't really know about all all their history. I know about USSR. Um, and their conflicts with the U.S., but I don't know about the, the depths as far as what they go. So I, 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 this is my caveat to everything I'm going to say. I am not a subject matter expert on this. I, I typically, I, and, and I still don't, I'm not saying that I will um, here, but I typically do not speak on things that I do not know. So even in this conversation that, that we are having today, I will speak on things that I know 
um, based off of what we are currently seeing, based off of what I've heard, and based off of the history between these two um, countries and what um, what Putin has done and what Zelensky has done and 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 all of that. So, but Amanda is definitely uh, in the trenches with us. She had a she she um she, she we were talking about some stuff pre-show, and I was like, oh man, like. These would be some good ideas to discuss, but Amanda, what are your thoughts? And if you want to start us off, just what's happening over in the Ukraine? Um, I know I typically know about Ukraine because I do watch 90 Day Fiance, and a lot of people who are on 90 Day Fiance are women from the Ukraine. So um, th- there are there's Natalie, there's Yara um, from Ukraine, uh, Julia. Yeah, there's a lot of people over there from the Ukraine. That is like the the host of 90 Day Fiance. Uh, all of them come over to uh, all of them come over to America, but that is that is to my extent as the I have more depth on Ninety Day Fiance than I do on the country of Ukraine and, and these and um and so forth. That says a lot. I'm sorry, guys. I know you've lost a whole lot of faith in me because I talk because I watch. That's Day fantastic. Fiance. But don't knock it until you watch it because they are some good seasons. Sorry. I feel like maybe we'll have some more people auditioning for that. Um, in the <laughs> that's horrible <laughs> and terrible. <laughs> I'm never going to, no. Okay. Um, anyhow. So well, again, and as I go through all of this, interrupt me because it was, it was basically a brain dump. I have been, you know, and on, on at civil discord pod on Twitter, we are trying to bring you top lines that are verifiable or at the very least not completely debunkable. Um, there hasn't been a whole lot of, com- there, I have provided a little bit of commentary on civil discord pod on our, on our Twitter of late, but I try to preface that with, this is Amanda talking. Right. Um, and, uh, and a lot of it's just retweets, not necessarily endorsements, just showing you what we found and, uh, and what, uh, what seems credible as of now. Right. First thing I want to do is this is really interesting. So this is, I call this my cold war globe. This is, I I collect globes and maps and this is, I don't know when this was made, but it was definitely made before I was born. (laughs) Now you can't see it very close. It's amazing because I was looking at this the other night. For those of you who aren't able to see our lovely visual aids on the YouTube, you cannot get a single screen that has the entire USSR in it. It's this big brown area. It's massive. Yeah. So this is Cold War USSR. And you see here that indeed part of the USSR, we've got uh, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Kiev, well, um, uh, Moldavia, I think now that's Moldova, uh, again, Ukraine, part of the USSR, uh, Belarus, um, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, all of this, okay? Now, Russia has been obviously cut back quite a bit since right. this globe was made. Um, and it, it really is just something to look at. So in the first place, that kind of helps us consider a little bit of what Putin's thinking is. And nobody mm-hmm. knows. There are rumors, unsubst- unsubstantiated rumors, uncorroborated rumors that Putin has Parkinson's or cancer. I will say, if you look at him, he's aging, but his face is quite puffy. So that, you know, it's it looks almost like a steroidal type of reaction. Right. But that's pure speculation. Right. I say that in order to suggest that he's aware of his lifeline um, is aware of what he's witnessed over his life and I don't think 
it's speculation to say that he is quite tired of feeling as though Russia has been this cuckold of the West. Mm. Um, Putin has never wanted to be part of NATO. I'll get into this a little bit more later. Putin does not want to be part of the West. He does not he doesn't want that. He doesn't want to right. have to play by the West's international rules. Right. Those to him are bad and dumb, and he shouldn't have to play by, by them because right. those rules were made in order to weaken him. Why right. would he want to play by those rules? Exactly. Um, so he, I think, is aware of his limitations. He's aware of the ways that his country has been limited. There might be some... Um, some residual, I mean, I think there is residual anger related to the color wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he saw an opening in, first of all, yes, some weakness that he estimated from Biden in the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Uh, that to him seemed to signal, seemed to signal to a lot of people a policy of retrenchment on which he could capitalize. Sure. But it's not just America. There's a lot of European indebtedness to Russia right now, primarily yes. from Germany. Germany, Germany's fantastic. So they decide we're going to be green, guys. We're going to help the environment by outsourcing our pollution to Russia. So we're not actually going to invest in nuclear or clean energy. We're just going to have Russia ship in oil and natural gas, and that's going to help the environment. It's not helping. The environment, if you're just having someone else make the environment dirty for you. Exactly. And paying them. So there's there's, uh, indebtedness between Germany and Russia on that front. So I think he saw an opening. Um, Anyway, he goes and he chooses to, first of all, uh, and declare the sovereignty of these separatist regions. That's the first act. Very shortly afterward, there's this invasion of... Ukraine. One Mm. thing that is clear is that the U.S. has great intel on this. The U.S. for a long time had been saying, had been signaling Putin's every move. Mm -hmm. And that seems to have thrown him. And I wonder, first of all, who do we have? How close are they to Putin? Mm -hmm. And what are the implications of that going forward if there is any escalation or if they're right? Yeah. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say this without sounding like a trumper, or yeah. <laughs> but it shows like, like you would understand why Donald Trump wanted to be good with, uh, with Putin, because maybe there was some knowledge of, Hey, this guy is, is really trying to, to, um, to move in on other countries. So how about we try to keep him close and wherever he's. And, and again, I mean, like I said, like, don't know where he's getting his intel from, don't know the, the, the crux of all that. But I think it, and, you know, for, for, for people to say, you know, oh, um, you know, that was one of the knocks on, from the left as far as Trump was concerned was how close he was to Putin and, and, and Russia this and Russia that. And, and you see Donald Trump, again, I'm not a Trumper, trying to make nice because maybe there is a level of understanding of, Hey, this guy is on his is off his I won't say off his rocker, but this guy wants to see, you know, everything what what was the USR. He wants to see that come back. He wants to see all these countries 
um, be be back part of what we call Mother Russia. Like there's a reason why it's called Mother Russia because it is, you know, my, my wife, she goes, oh, the motherland, like, like it's Mother Russia. Like, yes, because that is where all these countries have stemmed off from because it's the USSR kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I just find that very ironic of the intel that, that we as a country have had. And it just shows the why Trump was acting a certain way and why people have. And, and then it, it, it causes me to to question why Biden was so why his verbiage as far as his speak about Russia was so. I'm, I don't want to say harsh because I, I can't imagine it being harsh, but why it was so brass and, and as far as, hey, we're going to deal with Russia because of this, 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 this. And showing that was more from a campaign perspective and, and not from a true intel of understanding what Russia is currently about. Yeah, well, it's interesting. It's, you know, I think a lot of that during the campaign seemed to be to provide a contrast, right? Like right. Trump is so soft on Russia, right. and I'm going to be really hard on him because Trump's a Russian asset. Right. Um, and and it, I, I don't know the extent to which we were sharing this intel with Ukraine. That's another question that I have because Zelensky seems to have been more blindsided than we were by this. Mm. Uh, there are reports that in the, you know, toward the end of 2021, he was very skeptical about right. about this taking place and of course that's shifted a lot right. um but he seems to have been late to that party and again i wonder if that wasn't just his own skepticism and we were relaying this to him or if we were withholding this information if so why it seems like it would have been prudent in this case to have very open channels um of course open channels with the right people but right. open channels of of information on this um, one thing I, I don't want to overlook is that Russia has taken and continues, I believe at this hour to hold Chernobyl. That's mm. a big deal that, that basically, that gives Russia a lot of leverage, um, mm. because you, Chernobyl's contained, but it can be uncontained. Um, and that can be devastating. Right. So Russia continues to hold Chernobyl, has tried to make it into and take Kiev, has not been able to do that. That's another thing that seems to have blindsided Putin. I think he wanted this, he wanted a Schleifen plan. He really did. I think he was honest when he said, we don't intend to occupy Ukraine. He mm. wanted to go in and have this done. Um, it's clear the troops, the ground troops were not prepared for yeah. an invasion, even of this length. Um, there are reports unconfirmed of them stealing food, um, not having enough resources. We do know they're quite young. Uh, they're yeah. between 18 and 22 years old. So unlike maybe 40-year-old Russians and older, they don't have a memory of Ukraine even being part of Russia. So they don't right. have this sense of loyalty, like, oh, we're taking right. this back for the motherland. Right. Um, it, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, go just, on. Just interject there. Um, as far as the, the, the troops, I was listening to something. I, it was like, don't be mad at me, but Sirius XM on the way home, uh, we were on the way home from, from our, from our lunch date, with my wife, um, she was like, Hey, let's turn on something. So I was flipping through our series XM and seeing international came on. And of course they were discussing Russia and so forth. And they were, they were talking about how I want to say it is, it's, it's a town. It's got like, like right over a hundred thousand people in it, a town. It's more like a city. Um, that's got a hundred thousand people in it and how the Ukrainians were holding their ground on that and they had captured some like 350 or so russian soldiers 
And in talking with the soldiers, the soldiers, soldiers saying we were lied to about this, like mm-hmm. we weren't expecting all this to take place. We our agenda was was supposed to be this. And you guys are telling us that this has happened. So there is a lot of 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 young soldiers who are who, who again, I mean, like you said, have no concept of Ukraine being part of Russia or the USSR and are honestly feel like they're being lied to into into a war, into a conflict to invade another country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and that's tragic. Yes. Um, so there was a strategy that Putin had, which was essentially to establish aerial dominance, which has been tougher than expected, although right now Russia uh, is strong aerially that might not hold for a while, as we'll see, um, and then send in ground troops. As of now, there's still a lot of ground troops that are waiting to go in. So we don't know what else Putin has in store. Maybe there are more sophisticated troops that are waiting on the border. Um, and and in particular, Belarus, well, I say Belarus, and then evidently it's Belarus, but um, <laughs> they have just approved uh, a referendum that would revoke their non-nuclear capacity. So mm. that gives Russia an end to fire nuclear weapons from that closer range in Belarus, of course, mm. that area is held by one of Putin's cronies. Um, so that that will be interesting. Another thing, final thing that has seems to have surprised Putin, and it surprised me, is NATO and UN's coming together for once to mm. do things. And it took them a long time. But finally, there have been some impactful developments here. So NATO has reacted. They're being surprisingly cooperative. Mm -hmm. Russia is out of the swift banking system, which is kind of like, it's, it's kind of like the, the central heating, the thermostat of the banking system. So it's what allows various banks to talk to each other. Putin seems to have been prepared for a development like this over the past several years. Reserves have been shifting. Uh, the Russian government has been putting more and more of their reserves into Chinese yuan um, and other currencies. But even so, uh, the the swift cutoff is expected to choke about fifty percent of Russian reserves, which is wow. not insubstantial. Yeah. If if fifty percent of your of your bank account you didn't have access to it anymore, all of a sudden, and you were in the middle of a big project that would hurt <laughs> that would hurt you um so that that i think is is actually a step it's it's a step that has an effect right. um they have also established or nato has established no fly zones in nato countries as well as over canada for russia mm-hmm. now uh president zelensky and other ukrainian officials are pleading with nato to create a no fly zone over ukraine the reason that that is currently a no-go as far as NATO is concerned is that would give NATO authority to shoot down Russian planes right. uh, in non-NATO airspace, which would be considered an act of aggression. Yep. Um, and they they don't want that. Um, however, no. even yeah, even Switzerland has reset the bar on neutrality, Ooh. and they yeah they are now uh, uh, cutting off uh, Russia from. Yeah, from from their from their resources as well. So that's that's a big deal. That is. Um, yes. 
Putin is already threatening nuclear action. He's put his arms on higher alert. But again, we have all of these alert levels right. uh, in, in the U.S. and Russia is no exception. So they've right. moved up a stage in terms of nuclear readiness. Mm-hmm. It's still not DEFCON 5. Like it's, it's right. still not it's still not right. the main event. It's at this point, nothing to be panicked about. Right. I, the, I, I think yeah. that they were using they use the term uh, it's deterrent arms. As far as like, it's it's like a hey, just just warning you, we are we are setting things up for defense deterrent. Um, as far as our nuclear things are, are concerned, and and when when they when they were talking about um, this, it was more of like a this this this. Oh, and by the way, the nuclear arms as well too. It wasn't like a hey, yes, we are you know we're we're, we're showing up our we're showing up our, our nuclear force. It was more of a Hey, that's one of the many things that we are referring to as far as a deterrent for you guys to so you so nobody comes out and and does something crazy that would um, set Russia that would push Russia off the off the edge or so. Right, and it's quite likely I'll point out the U.S. is much more clandestine about these sorts of things. Um, it's it's quite likely I, I would imagine that that we are also preparing here yes. for for events, and uh, we have. Um, we have intercepting technology that's not foolproof, but it is mm-hmm. something uh, for ICBMs. Um, right. So that that's you know that's a known factor. In an unprecedented move, the EU has just today sent lethal weapons to Ukraine, uh, including oh. yeah, inclu- and this was just in fact a couple hours before we started recording, um, including new uh, fighter jets, and that could really oh. change the game in terms of aerial dominance. Yeah, these jets are Russian manufactured, so that's how uh, that that's necessary for uh, Ukrainians to be able to fly them. Obviously, because they're not going to be able to to fly just just any fighter jets. This allows them uh, to. Um, looking at my information here this this allows them to be able to to top into these jets and fight russians really on maybe fr- from a stronger position than, than the russians mm-hmm. are since again this is this is ukrainian airspace right. and those jets should be operational now um they would wow. they were scheduled to be operational within an hour and that was a couple hours ago <laughs> so they they should be operational we should have right. pilots that are able to to be in those the u.s has also sent surface to air missiles which is the first time that they've openly sent surface to air missiles uh to another country since the okay. soviet occupation of afghanistan wow uh yeah i have thought and i have said this um you know, if I were in the State Department, if, if I were the Libertarian uh, uh, <laughs> Secretary of State, I would be angling for, I would have wanted to do this before, but angling for sending uh, clandestine special ops into into Ukraine to fight in, in Ukrainian uniform. If if we were going to, if it were, if it had escalated to this point, if we believed it to be a threat to oh. NATO... Uh, if we believed it to be a threat to our country, if we believed that taking Ukraine was going to uh, w- was going to impinge on our sovereignty and on NATO countries' sovereignty, I would be doing that because obviously there's not much of a way to tell who belongs to what country if you're fighting sure. in a Ukrainian uniform. Definitely. Um, so, and then finally, more more new developments is that today Sunday. 
Uh, Ukraine has agreed to hold talks with Russia with no preconditions, meaning there will not be a ceasefire, right. uh, no preconditions on the Belarusian border. And uh, again, as I said, Belarus just approved constitutional referenda, renouncing their non-nuclear status. So at the same time, Russia is increasing its police presence in its capital due to protests there. Right. Um, uh, and there seems to be, we've heard reports that Kiev is strangely quiet at this hour. I, for my own part, am a little bit wary about what's going to happen during these peace talks, it could, or, or negotiations, rather. Mm. It could be a gesture to buy time. We don't know what people have planned for this. So it'll right. it'll be interesting to see. That's where we are up to now. And by the time people are listening to this podcast, things could have completely changed and we could all be exactly. crying nukes at each other <laughs> or planting flowers. I don't know. I don't know. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I, uh, it's, it's, it's so interesting to see how things have played out over the past week. And so I, I, I know I, I say I am, I'm out of the politics realm and so forth, but there is a specific realm that I never get out of. And it's firearms. And it's it's interesting to see that Ukraine is literally passing out, you know, firearms to its citizens to say, hey, like, here we are. Uh, we're we are calling upon our citizens to help defend our borders. Um, go you know, like, like, like go to work. And it's I mean, even to the point to where uh, it's it, I, I think there were it was the U.S. had offered safe um extraction for president Zelensky. oh yeah and he said no what do I, he was like no <laughs> i just he need said, ammo <laughs> i need ammunition not a ride i just exactly a really bad time for me to have a crush on a national leader but i absolutely <laughs> have the hugest crush on vladimir Zelensky. yes and i mean call me i just it's <laughs> i love <laughs> Like, he's a badass. He he really is. I mean, I mean, because you you see pictures of him suited up, like like ready to go, and it's 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 amazing to to see. As much as I don't like governments and and people of of, of their states, like you see somebody who is truly a firm believer, and he's like, hey, like these are my people. I'm of the people. I'm going to stay here and do all this stuff. And, excuse me. And we see the opposite with our neighbors up north with honking horns and so forth. And I, I just, I, I find it fascinating, but it, it's, it's for a, you know, for, for a lot of times, you know, we see um, the attack on, on, on the firearms industry and this, that, or the other. And it's just so ironic that you have people who they, they will go out and say, Oh, nobody needs this style of firearm because you're never going to need it. And, if it worked, you're taking on the U.S. government. You're going to need fighter jets, and we know you're going to need F-15s and all those things. But yet, we have a prime example of a country preparing its citizens to go to war um, to fight for their country. Like, and again, I'm not, I'm not the biggest uh, of, of fan of all the founding fathers. But when they say a well-regulated militia, this is what it looks like to me. Citizens literally getting firearms and going to war. I mean, so there is a there is a great uh, a silver lining in all this that that I see is is like people are really are people are standing up to these to, to Russian soldiers. 
I think there was some old grandma lady who uh, who told a soldier to pretty much like, hey, uh, uh, the soldier said, you have a nice day. And she said, I'll see you in hell kind of stuff like like just just all kinds of different things of the Ukrainian citizen saying, like, you will not like come in here and, and, and occupy these areas as well as you think you are. And, and I mean, and a, as you pointed out earlier, I think that has really thrown a wrench into everybody's plans because Putin's talking about, oh, you know what? Let's go. In, let, let, let's let's go in. Let's go out. You know, do what we have to do. And the Ukrainians are like, I don't know who you thought you were dealing with. But uh, we're here and and you are you are not going to have a, um, you're, you're if we go down, it will be we will go down swinging. Right? We are not afraid to go down swinging because you guys are not fighting fair and so forth. Um, I mean, attacking schools and, and things of that nature, which I think for me, it just shows how um, back in the very beginning, as far as, far as what you're talking about. Not everybody believes in this Western view of society. Yeah. Not everybody wants to be a part of that. For some reason, we here in the West and the West, I mean, even Western Europe. So we here in the West believe in this idea of, oh, everybody's going to peacefully cohabitate and and no aggression upon your neighbor. I mean, I mean, at, at least for me, it's th- th- this peaceful like utopia of. Everybody's going to agree with everybody and everybody wants to be like the United States. Everybody wants to be like these other countries because we are great. And when you actually get out there and realize half of the world doesn't literally Eastern Europe um, and by Eastern Europe, I really mean Russia. Um, when you talk about like most of the Middle East, um, Asian, Asian countries, they they view the idea of growth like that, but they don't. They don't adhere to the same values and to the same mindset of of what the West does. And and it just shows like you can't just force your ideology on everybody and just assume that just because you are you redeemed a world superpower that you're going world superpowers. We think of world superpowers. We think of Western countries. Um, And sorry, like Russia is not all they're not about fit falling in line with with the terms that we have put on them. and. When you when you're poking bears and and they see weakness, like they they'll strike. It, it it is what it is, and that's that's exactly what we're seeing here in this in this conflict in this war that that has broken out. Yeah, and and you're you're beautifully you know going into another point that I had about sanctions. So sanctions, first of all, sanctions almost never work as they're applied. So that's going to be, that's going to be my disclaimer for the sake of argument. Yes. If we were going to impose sanctions, we would have imposed them much earlier because if sanctions do work, they do work as a deterrent. They don't work to get someone to stop waging an active assault (laughs) on another country. It's not like, you know, you're waging this assault and you know, maybe in six months, I'm not going to have a lot of money. So I should stop now. That's not how it works. So no. sanctions, first of all, if they're ever going to be imposed, they're imposed early before mm-hmm. there's an invasion. Right. Uh, they're imposed on the autocratic, kleptocratic class, right. uh, not on the people. There was exactly. something 
absolutely absurd that uh, that the Jinsaki said this week, which is or, or no, no, and well, it was both Jinsaki and Joe Biden. Something was said that Joe Biden said this past week, where he said, you know, well, yes, these sanctions are going to hit the people of Russia, but then the people of Russia will understand that this pain is coming from Putin. I'm thinking, so they can vote him out? I mean, like, so in the what, next what election, in the next election, they'll know, don't vote for Putin, and it'll all be okay. So sanctions don't, they're not going to work against no. the Russian people because it's not the Russian people that did this, sir. Right. And it's not the Russian people that can get out of this without a huge coup, a huge, deadly, bloody coup. Right. And th that, that in turn is going to make the Russian people hate everybody else because they're like, hold up, yeah. in our time of need, you guys are literally going to make things worse for us? Like, yeah. that, I, I, that just, that logic is almost as bad as um, Nancy Pelosi saying that more jobs are creating inflation. Like, I mean, it's, it's th that's just moronic. Right. And then Jen Psaki comes out and she says that uh, these sanctions are going to be effective because Putin wants Russia to have a strong national economy. Oh, and that was nails on a chalkboard. That was the moment. Because no, yeah. Vladimir Putin does not want Russia to have a strong national economy. He does not care about that. He wants to have a strong international presence. Yes. And in openly trading democracies and openly trading capitalistic democracies, you have a strong international presence by having a strong national economy where economic prosperity is generally diffused. Because right. only then are you able to have multiple individuals producing various goods that are able to be exchanged on the, on the open international market. But right. Russia doesn't do that. Places like Russia and China do not do that. So in open trading democracies, strong international presence requires general economic prosperity. And autocracies, oligarchies, kleptocracies, it doesn't. And this is just one more example of what you pinpointed as the U.S.'s greatest strategic blunder, which is assuming that every nation in the world operates or wants to be like the West and will play yeah. by the West's rules to get the West's recognition. Right. In general, our most grievous foreign policy miscalculations are born of the belief that everyone shares our motives. They don't. They don't. And we have to accept that. I just and I, I've I, I, and I know some of you guys saw me looking down. I'm looking up because we people fail to realize that Russia, when you impose like economic things. Russia's GDP from an economic standpoint is not very high. No. Like it's not like they're these great producers of anything. You know, I um I was listening and they said they said they said it's very similar to like it's close to Spain. Like you think of Russia's GDP, it's close to Spain. I just looked it up and it, it, it's I think it's like 1.4 like per capita. I mean, of course, I mean, so you, per per capita, I want to say they're right around like Eleven thousand dollars, twelve thousand dollars per capita, and it was. Hang on, let me pull it up. It's. I think they are currently one point four. I mean, so it's like one point four trillion or whatnot. And to put that in perspective, China is fourteen point seven trillion. So let me make sure that I got that right. Yes, 
because it, it's got it 14, 14 trillion, 722.73 billion. Yeah. So like that's, I mean, China's economy is and GDP is nearly 10 times that size or whatnot. So it's not, it's, it's not like we're talking about Russia is this great economic powerhouse that is, that is really concerned about their economy when we're imposing these sanctions on them. Oh, look at you. Oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. They're like, we're already doing what we want to do and you're not stopping us. So, I mean, it's it, like, it's, it, def- I mean, like you said, sanctions should have happened a year ago. Like if, if we're if, at least a but year ago, was, because you have the intel, you know, like, Hey, this is what they're getting ready to do. These, these are all the things that, that they're getting ready to go about. Then, Hey, you know what? In order to deter them from doing that, let's say, Hey, you know, we're going to do this and all, I mean, albeit probably wouldn't, probably wouldn't make a difference because Putin's going to be like, right. Oh, you were just expediting the process as far as what I'm going to do. So I was going to wait until I saw, uh, until I saw a real opening from your president. But now that I have the leader of NATO and, and, and everybody just like talking about these sanctions and stuff. Hey, you know what? Let me just up my timeline from, in, to, from a year from now to six months from now or whatnot, because I know that I, I'm I'm not I'm not chasing economic power. I'm not chasing I'm not chasing economic status. I want everybody to know that I and I have a strong military base and not to mess with me. Like yeah. that's what he wants everybody to know. And and you mentioned China too. And I, I mean again, and th- and this for these countries, and I think in general, because because of all these considerations, sanctions were not going to work. Um, you if you want to impose economic consequences, you make them targeted. To right. the tyrants that are that are terrorizing others, um, but yeah, even China, right? They've got a lot of debt. Places like China and Russia are trying to establish international dominance, not by opening themselves, not by right. opening their markets, but by squeezing other sectors of the global economy. Right? If you yes. think about debt. With China, if you think about uh, if you think about oil and natural gas with Russia, it's been very yep. effective at making sure that it it has that market cornered yep. uh, in in Europe. So there, these countries do not do not establish international dominance by having a thriving economy like a democracy, like a, a you know a capitalistic liberal democracy would try to do. These countries are able to establish international dominance by closing off. Yep. areas of their peoples and their trading partners and scare quotes <laughs> economies. Um, I, I want to touch by the way on, you know, there, there is misinformation on, on both sides. You know, we, we can't be sure you know, what, you know, what exactly is, is true, especially in terms of death counts and in terms of various stories that are being told. But one story that was told very early on was that this is all NATO's fault anyway. This is all the U.S.'s fault anyway, because we promised Russia that Ukraine would never be a part of NATO and that we would not expand NATO. Ladies and gentlemen, this never happened. This is kind of like when you're in a relationship and you have a discussion with someone and you ask them for something and they're like, "Eh," and then you come back to them later and you say, hey, remember you promised me this? There, there is, there was never a formal. Everyone, we've all had that. We've all been on both sides of that discussion, both sides of that. So there was never a formal agreement that that we would not expand NATO. There was a formal agreement called the Budapest Memorandum, 
when we relocated nuclear weapons from Ukraine back to Russia at the end of the Cold mm. War. And so that's, mm. again, these weapons, Ukraine wouldn't have been able to operationalize them, but we relocated these weapons, NATO did, we NATO. Uh, we did so with the agreement that in exchange, NATO would defend Ukraine if they were ever invaded. We would protect Ukraine's borders. And that's the Budapest Memorandum. And these sorts of agreements are not uncommon for us to make right, with non-nuclear countries. So the fallout of this, no pun intended, might also involve a revived arms race because you have other countries saying, okay, well, we are not armed and in terms of nuclear weapons. Yep. And we won't be protected either because the exactly. NATO said they'd protect Ukraine. They're not... And again, I'm going to go back to China because China in particular is very good at, at developing relationships with weaker countries than they mm-hmm. posturing themselves as a friend of developing countries right. in a way that kind of really hurts the people of the developing countries, but helps aggrandize the government. China could get a lot more allies out of this by offering nuclear assistance to them, offering them help in in developing and operationalizing nuclear weapons. They get a lot more allies. They could be nuclear allies. So this this is where if you're going to make an agreement, you hold to it. Yes. Yes. So that was one more thing. No, you're good. (laughs) I I just it's um. Because I, I, I've had people asking my views on this and, and you know, Maurice, you're an ANCAP, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're the person who, who thinks that the U.S. just needs to sit out and, um, and not do anything about currently what's going on. And I say, ah, uh, like, I, and I've thought about this because uh, I've, I've been like, okay, so like, Maurice, what are your principles? Like, 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 what, right. where do you hold true? And it's, if for me, it's a, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff, then this is a sign of aggression. And so if I see somebody naturally aggressing on somebody else, then I'm going to do something about it. And so, which is why I, I'm a firm believer, I'm, you know, I am not saying that the United States need to be, needs to be the police of the world. We need to be the protectors and so forth. But if we have already entered into some sort of agreement of, hey, Ukraine, we will defend your borders. Um, if you guys do this for us, then that my then that my people is a contract, and I'm a firm believer of not breaching contracts. You should do it. If you should not be the first people, first person to breach the contract. Now, if, if Ukraine would have breached the contract, then okay, kudos. Hey, you're you're on your own. You breach the contract. It's on you. But that's not what happened, you know. And and so it's. If 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 this is what we're saying, like, hey, we need to vote. We, as as a, and I, I can't believe that you're going to hear these words from an ANCAP's mouth. But if Sorry. this is the agreed upon terms of the contract, then you need to uphold the agreed upon terms of the contract. So you, so if regardless of whether it was, you know, Bush, Bush forty one. Clinton, Bush 43, like whoever it was, like it's, it's been an, it's been something that nobody has said, Hey, we need to renegotiate these terms of this contract. Nobody has once said that. And so we need to uphold the terms of that. And, and in some way, shape or form, we've, we've got to say, Hey, 
this is not okay. And 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 I've China has come out and said, hey, US, we we will side with you in this conflict or whatnot. As long I mean, of course, they they put they make stipulations on they the say they do with, that with both of the yeah. Yeah, so but 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 if you guys do this, then you guys can't, you know, then you gotta make sure that Taiwan is and we gotta recognize that as part of the as, as part of China. And and then if you do that, then we if if, if you don't do that, then we it's this whole circular thing or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So that being said, it it's the US has to do something as opposed to just sanctions. You can't just say, Oh, well, we're gonna stifle your economy, um, you know give you a slap on the wrist, even though you've been preparing for it over the past, we don't know how many years. Um, so I, and I, I'm not, do not think that Maurice is saying that, Hey, um, we need to put troops on the ground. That is not at all what I'm saying. Okay. Um, unless that was in the contract, but if, I mean, we provide all kinds of other countries with military aid, and providing them with all kinds of uh, of defense defense mechanisms, whether it be um, wh- whether it be actual tanks or weapons of some sort, or whatever the case may be, um, just ask Yemen and Saudi Arabia how that's working out for Yemen. Um, so we do. That's not a good thing. You guys can look it up. <laughs> I'm sure um, a lot of libertarians know about Yemen. Yeah, exactly. So it's 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 one of those things of of like. We've got to, we've got to do something. If this is going to be, if this is what the contract states and this, these are the rules that I'm applying myself to, it's, 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 it's almost way of like this. If I'm walking down the street and I see a man and he's getting ready to fight somebody else and the guy is trying to run away and saying, Hey, I don't want to be any part of this and so forth. And I see it and I see everything from start to finish, how it goes down and what's going on. And I'm like, man, this guy has no right to beat this other guy up. I, as a person who's a firm believer in don't hurt people, don't take their stuff, will take it upon me to defend the guy who's being aggressed upon. And so if I view it at that individual level and I scale it up, hey, this is what's happening here, at least from my knowledge, again, Things, something could come out tomorrow and, and I could be completely 100% wrong and I will acknowledge that. I will. I have no issue doing, doing that at all. But from currently, from what I'm seeing, if somebody is crossing borders of somebody else and that is an act of aggression and I cannot just let people say, oh yeah, hey, here you go. Because I see this happening a lot with libertarians. And this is what I think is a horrible take. It's they say, oh, the U.S. does it to other countries. We over here, we start, and and it's not the same. Let's be real; it's not the same because we're not we are not officially crossing borders into all these countries that we bomb. I, I mean, we did as far as, as far as as far as <laughs> Afghanistan and Iraq and so forth. But it's it's in the at least in those in those instances, you can say something like, "Well, the U.S. was responding to something that somebody else did it in that country and so forth," and there were some terrorist attacks here or there. You can lie your way into that, which is which is what has happened. But I see a lot of libertarians doing this number of, hey, the U.S. has done this to other to other countries. They're bombing the mess out of them. They're out here. You know, they got troops on the ground. They're invading and so forth. 
Um, but now the U.S. is coming out and condemning them and, and condemning Russia for doing this. It's just like, well, the U.S. is a bunch of hypocrites. You're right. They are. That doesn't mean that what Russia is doing is right. Like mm. at all. So instead of having a poor take of saying, hey, uh, the U.S. is hypocrites and I can't believe they're coming out and speaking against Russia and this, that, or the other when we're doing the same thing. Say, hey, you know what? For the first time, for the first time, the U.S. is doing something that is actually that that is correct in a long time. They're doing something that is correct. So let's address that while addressing the And, and then while we address this issue, we can say, hey, U.S., let's practice what you preach because you're doing the right thing and and coming to the aid of Ukraine and what you should. But you need to make sure that you're doing the same thing with these other countries that are out there. Yeah. And I think you're being perfectly consistent. I, I honestly, I think that, you know, you've got a contract and that's a voluntary agreement between parties. Yes. You honor that contract that is perfectly in accord with free market capitalism, including anarcho-capitalism. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that that's entirely consistent. I'm, I'm working on an, on an article. I don't, who knows if, if I will publish it, but I'm, I'm working on an article called uh, working title is how not to argue about foreign policy as a libertarian. And <laughs> one of the things you should not do as a libertarian arguing foreign policy is just start yelling about times that the U.S. military screwed up in the past. Yes. If we're talking about the question is, should the U.S. do X? Your response is not, did you hear about why the U.S. sucked at it? Exactly. I mean, again, that's a strategy argument. That's not an argument for whether or not something is a proper action to take. Right. Um, and I, I agree with what I think you're saying. The thrust of it is that our mission should not be to spread democracy, mm. but it should be given our position, given our power, given our values. It should be to protect sovereignty. Yes. And we see that because if we allow sovereignty to be infringed upon somewhere, this is not just a McCarthyist Cold War dead talking point. We right. see sovereignty being infringed upon somewhere, especially because we do have all of these trade relations with other countries. You don't have a trade relationship without having some kind of military expectation. I'm sorry, you don't. Because don't. if a country gets, gets blown up, then that affects you. If yes. your trade partner gets blown up, that affects you. So exactly. if we turn a blind eye to defending others' sovereignty when it is infringed upon and when we are when there is a request for sovereignty to be defended, yep. then that is a blot on our own our own merit. And yes. it is it weakens us and it weakens and puts our sovereignty at risk in the long or not, or not even particularly long run. Right. Um, there's so much more to say. I could, I could go on for a while. Um, but I'm thinking in terms of, and we touched on this a little bit already, things to, things to do now and things to do in the future. Mm -hmm. I think first, the first thing to note is that being wholly reactive on foreign policy puts us at risk. Yes. Um, that we need a strong dose of strategic humility in terms of not expecting that other countries are going to think like us. Right. Uh, and not countries are not going to react solely to us. Countries are They're independent not. agents. 
Sometimes they make decisions about what to do, regardless of what the U.S. has or has not done in the past. Right. Um, energy independence. And there's, there's another nuclear option, and it's called going nuclear in terms of clean energy. Yes. This, you know, U.S. needs to be energy independent. In, in that sense, if we'd done that, these, um, you know, these fake sanctions wouldn't be harming our economy in, in the way that they might be getting ready to do. Uh, if, if Europe had a thousand clean nuclear plants, we wouldn't have this dependence or they wouldn't have this dependence on Russian, nat- uh, on Russian gas and yes. fossil fuels. Um, Enriched, changing the way we think about military spending. So, <laughs> oh, Sorry, gosh. No, I just we no. are literally going over taxes in my class and and we we're going over how taxes are broken down as far as your mandatory spending, your discretionary spending, how much of the discretionary spending gets spent on the military. Like so all of all we're I'm literally teaching my class all these things. And okay, people, I am doing my best not to be biased when I'm having these conversations about taxes. But I'm pretty sure my class knows how I feel about taxes, and uh, and 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 yes. But when it comes to military spending and, and how we spend in the military, this is something that actually has come come up in conversation yeah. within my classes. I'm sure. Yeah, and if you look at all the things that we spend money on at the federal level that we have no business spending money on at the federal level, this wouldn't even require increasing the budget. This nope. would just be spending smarter. And in particular, you get more resources. I I think, you know, if if we're talking about 21st century foreign policy spending, you spend more resources on intelligence, you spend more resources on cyber and cyber deterrence, cyber defense, cyber offense on occasion, and on irregular operations. I don't foresee us fighting wars in the same way in the 21st century. I, I do see a lot of urban warfare, which is a completely different ballgame. I see a lot of um, quick operations, you know, again, irregular covert operations, special mm-hmm. missions. That's where, again, Libertarian Secretary of State Amanda, <laughs> um, that, that's, that's where I would be focusing the majority of resources and development. We cut out wasteful spending at the federal level and devote the resources that we already have to defensive mm-hmm. innovation, developing the latest tech, developing cyber deterrence, surpassing Chinese nuclear and technological capacity. This is not about invading other countries. This is about protecting sovereignty and protecting our sovereignty. Because if we do not act, it can and will happen here. And again, that's not a McCarthyist talking point. That is simply true. And there are ways to avoid it without costing money and without costing lives, especially if we maximize intel and cyber deterrence. Yeah. And I, I just um, and talk about the energy independence because I know this is going to hit yeah. a lot of people. Um, like for the U.S., that that needs to happen. Like I mean, if we, because the biggest thing everybody's talking about your gas prices. Gas prices are going up. Gas prices are going up because oil prices are going up. And it would be if if the U.S. was, and I again not sounding like a Trumpist, but if we would have the the oil reserves. That we had under a specific president, instead of those being closed down, and instead of pipelines being shut down, and all this case, maybe, just maybe, the economic effect of Russia 
moving into Ukraine and all these sanctions and stuff would not be as severe in our pocketbooks as we are currently as as, as it currently is. Now, mm-hmm. I, now I'm I'm not saying that there would be no effect, but I'm but but what I am saying is it would not be as severe because you know what we're not as reliant on anybody else as we need to be. Why? Because we have things within our own borders, within our own system that we can use. And then my gas wouldn't go up 40 cents in the matter of 24 hours. Like, I mean, that's it's it's for for some reason. I mean, some people were like, oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like gas is going to be this this price. And I, and I, I don't I can't say how how expensive things are going to be. But what I can say is when I go to bed and gas is 280 and then I wake up and gas is 310. I'm like, I know gas over there in your area. You, you're like, like 280. Like, man, I'm over here paying five dollars a gallon. 280? Is that what you mean? It's 280. <laughs> yes, two dollars five dollars a gallon. <laughs> two dollars eighty cents, and I save ten cents on a gallon by using my Bucky's credit card. There you go. So, um, but but I mean, so when when I go to sleep and it's 280, and I wake up and it's 310, and it's an increase of 30 cents. Like, I I I think, oh. What what in the world would cause something like this to go up 30 cents? Could it possibly be some conflict that's over somewhere on the other side of the world and in, in which a, a country is a mass producer of oil? Like, I don't know. Possibly. That 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 could be the case. I, don't, I mean, I'm I'm not the smartest man in the room, but I feel like I can I, I can pick up on clues and things of that nature, you know, and so it's. It, it it just goes to show the the importance of being independent on certain levels instead instead of being reliant on everybody because I, I feel like the only thing that the U.S. is independent on is their military. Everything else is pretty much like we get this because we provide you defense. Yep. We get this from you because we provide we provide you defense, and that is not always the best option to go, especially mm-hmm. when you're in a country as big as the U.S. and as populated as U.S. Maybe there are some smart people who can come up with some things. And I, I don't mean, know. That's yeah. just me. Again, being self-sustaining would help us be stronger economically as well. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fine. I, Jonah Goldberg says this frequently, where he'll say, you know, we've we've got this huge, you know, global warming crisis, right? This huge climate crisis, and we have to act right now, or else the entire planet will be destroyed in in twelve years. We have to do everything possible except. Go nuclear. Except <laughs> it's just too much of a risk. Um, and now again, we see that environmental innovation and environmental and energy independence can, in fact, help foreign policy and and can be a huge asset in terms of uh, in terms of military independence and again protecting sovereignty, which is what again our our foreign policy should be all about. Uh, one last thing that perhaps or we should not be doing is allowing Russia to broker the new Iran nuclear deal, which is still somehow on the table. I could scream, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, that's going on. Um, and again, as I said, a lot more, a lot more material here, a lot more, a lot of things that, that we didn't cover. There are just, there are tons of developments that are, you know, that are constantly happening. So for sure. And yeah. it's always changing. It's always changing. I for for the for for 
for the hour that, that we've been talking, I'm pretty sure new developments have come, have come <laughs> through and check. things have changed. So yeah, check. like we are, um, th things are changing, um, by the hour or whatnot. So, um, I will say this, uh, if you listen to this episode and things have changed, then that's how life is, you know, yeah. just make sure you listen to the whole episode, get our views and then say, Oh, but this has changed and say, okay. And then, then best believe that if something's changed or something is majorly shifted, then our viewpoint or our strategy is probably, has probably shifted as well too. So, um, but again, guys, I, I know everybody knew exactly what this episode was going to be about. And it's the only thing that's in the news cycle um, as far as things are concerned. And I mean, it's, it's interesting to talk about. It's, it's pretty fun. Um, maybe, maybe this week I will spend time digging into, in, into the relations of, of Ukraine and Russia and, and maybe depending on what happens over this other couple of week, we can, we can go into that. We can discuss yeah. those things and figure out what all, I mean, outside of Vladimir Putin wanting to restore the USSR. <laughs> outside of that what, what all has what all has led up to this and, and so forth so I, I feel like that would that's always a fun interesting dive um at least for me it is because i'm a nerd like that and i, and I yeah. love history i love cause and effect um events and so forth but um thank you guys for listening so so much um thank you guys for if you're watching this on youtube that's out there thank you so much for watching us on youtube because we are live on YouTube. We're, I'm sorry, we're not live on YouTube. Our video is posted on YouTube um, every single week. So we're thankful thankful for that. Thanks for Justin for everything that he does. Thank you, Justin. putting all this together. We are greatly appreciative of him. We will always give him a shout out because he is great like that, holding it down for us. Um, please be sure to subscribe to us on Apple iTunes. Please be sure to follow us on Spotify. Um, leave us a five-star rating and review because we know that we are worth it. Every bit of those stars, every single one of them. And you can, and you can give us some feedback as well too. In that five-star review, we would greatly appreciate that. Make sure you follow us on social media. Um, call me Maurice on my Instagram, uh, civil discord podcast on Instagram as well too. Follow us at, uh, civil discord pod on Twitter and then Ajax the Griff. On Twitter as well, too. Amanda is doing a great job holding it down on the Twitter. Um, I go through and I see all, all the retweets and everything. I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is Russia. This is Russia. This yeah. is Russia. Like, okay, <laughs> cool. Like, all right, you know, Twitter's not a cesspool of of idiocy all the time, just some of the time. So um please be be sure to do all of that. Um, if you do all of that, share the show with a friend, a family member, somebody in Russia, somebody in Ukraine, somebody who watches 90 Day. I don't know. Share it with all three. Um, do all of that. And we, we will be back again with another episode of Civil Discord, your weekly dose of radical curiosity. Until then, y'all, be easy. Slavokren, stay fierce.